Hey, 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 everybody. How are you all guys doing? Welcome to the Wimper Podcast, where we talk about all the goofy stuff related to space, astronomy, deep tech, AI, and a lot more to learn about which you won't find much in a conventional form of education. Today we have Deep Anand as our guest on the show who is the founder of a non-profit organization called Save Our Stars Initiative and has pursued his studies in aerospace engineering from PIT. This has been one of the most factual episodes where you learn a lot of new things I hope uh, about a very not so popular or trendy topic called light pollution. You'll also learn about darkness and stargazing and a whole lot of other stuff. And so stay tuned and I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to another episode of the Wimpa Podcast. We have Deep Anand here from Seva Stars Organization, an organization helping to spread awareness uh, towards saving our stars. So what do you mean by saving, by saving our stars? Like what does the term actually mean when you relate it to your organization? What are you trying to do with it? Okay, so uh, see, Save Our Stars is, uh, it. you can call it a marketing tactic to get more people to connect with us. Like if we, like, uh, first of all, Save Our Stars works on spreading awareness about light pollution. But I approach, if I approach anyone with the topic of light pollution right now, and it's a very lesser known problem. So most people don't know about it. So if I approach anyone with this problem, with like we are uh, like if I have a name called light pollution or something like that, so many people will think that uh, what do we actually do? Like they don't know about light pollution, but when it's save our stars, they know it's something yeah. about astronomy. They know it's something about mm-hmm. the stars. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's just, and uh, our uh, our end goal is saving our stars itself because when light pollution is reduced, stars uh, automatically. Uh, come up into the night sky and you know we get our night skies back mm-hmm. right okay uh, so the first question according to the script that I have for you is how does the lack of natural darkness in urban areas affect the visibility of stars and uh, other astronomical objects and what implications does this have for our understanding of the universe okay so uh, we can say that stars uh, or the night uh, night time or the darkness play a very major role in uh, in the uh, development of humans, uh, like both mentally, physically, everything. Like we have evolved like that. So when we take stars out of the equations, when we take darkness out of the equation, of course there is a missing part, and that mm-hmm. missing part leads to some problems. And the, the, yeah. these problems have an effect on everything. Like the whole ecosystem is affected by the lack of darkness. The whole sleep cycle of ours is affected by the lack, lack of darkness. Our sleep cycle leads to if, uh, an effect on our curiosity, on our creativity and many more things like that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we can say that uh, as the darkness goes down, the curiosity and creativity also goes down. And I, it's an irony that uh, light, like we say that light is uh, good and darkness is evil, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. not actually true. If you ask anyone who's f- who's from an astronomy background, who's from 
uh, an observational astronomy background specifically or who if, even if who, one if one's a poet they'll tell you that darkness is the good thing and light is evil mm-hmm. yeah so darkness is basically the absence of light as to what we try to teach kids right i mean if they scared of the dark right and if you if if i talk about how to take darkness in a positive sense right uh, let's say if uh, uh, there is no darkness and there's all light over here because that's going to be a problem because it's just not going to uh, be something that correlates with our natural circadian rhythm and uh, it's uh, it has been a problem for example for me too personally that uh, you know uh, i have a bad sleep cycle because of so of so much amount of city lights and street lights coming right into my eyes uh, through uh, my curtains and my windows and even if i t- try to block them out it's not the best thing that happens i mean i still get a, a an amped amount of light uh, coming to my eyes so uh, i just wanted to talk, talk about uh, how has a sleep cycle and circadian rhythm uh, as na- as natural beings been affected uh, by this na- uh, not so natural very artificial human created uh, street street lights lamps and all of these th- things and that are on all night and then we get to see the sun in the morning so mm. yeah Okay, so uh, I'll take your first statement uh, that you said that da- uh, we say to the kids that da- uh, anyone who's scared that dar- mm-hmm. darkness is the absence of light. Yeah. Uh, act- uh, if I might correct you on that, darkness is not mm-hmm. the absence of absence of light. Darkness is everywhere. It's the light yeah. that mm-hmm. comes, and the dark mm-hmm. it dissipates the darkness. We can say mm-hmm. it like that. There's also a very nice example for this. Like uh, if you uh, if you uh, like read into the Hindu mythology, there's mm-hmm. a uh, in that there's a goddess Ratri. Uh, now mm-hmm. Ratri means night night in uh, night in Hindi. Yeah. yeah and yeah. the goddess Ratri uh, now the goddess Ratri is mentioned in all of the uh, uh, holy books and all of the mythologies with, along with all the primordial gods. Mm-hmm. But the uh, but uh, Ratri's description or shape or any any vivid description about its existence is not has not been given but it has been mentioned mm-hmm. yeah so what can be the reason for that the rig the rigveda claims that uh, ratri is everywhere mm-hmm. it's just that uh, rat- ratri is everywhere it has been before the end of time and it will be after the end of time this is according to the hindu mythology and mm-hmm. like uh, see uh, these mythologies and all uh, these things they are actually science embedded into tales to tell Uh, like because storytelling is the best way of conveying something to people hmm so that's how people used to convey convey these scientific facts with the uh, mm-hmm. stories so mm-hmm. it's just that darkness is everywhere and should not be feared and one activity i usually do with uh, many people when we go for awareness programs mm-hmm. uh, so uh, if you uh, uh, like uh, imagine you are in a close close room with full of, like just darkness all around you no light nothing mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. so yeah it's just darkness and and you don't have any clue how long the room is or how big the room is you are just in middle of the room in center of the room mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. at any moment you see a streak of light passing through it mm-hmm. like you see a streak of light mm-hmm. then do you will you be scared i don't think so i don't know <laughs> Okay is anyone if if someone is afraid of darkness all right 
Let's take an example of anyone who is afraid of darkness. If they see that a streak of light is moving through the dark room, will they be afraid? Like uh, at a moment, like if something is going through that dark dark room, so automatically the person might get afraid. Like if th- think of it like at the night time when you're sleeping, um, like you wake you you wake up. and at that very moment you see something going very fast uh, from uh, uh, like in from from in front of you and it was a streak of light mm-hmm. you'll be if not scared you'll at least be um, uh, like curious about what it was mm-hmm. but dark see the person was in the dark he was not afraid but when he saw that streak of light he got afraid yeah So right. that's the difference between darkness and like uh, fearing darkness, or actually we fear light in darkness. Mm-hmm. Now coming on to your um, uh, main question, that was uh, how does this affect our sleep cycles? So, not to go into a lot of technical, uh, like technical or biological details into this, but just uh, just so that uh, everyone can understand, like we have evolved for with bright days and dark nights. so our uh, all the hormones that are secreted in our body are according to that and they are regulated by light or or any like any sense uh, the hormones are reg- regulated by any sense and most of them are regulated by light mm. so when uh, at night at night also when you get those blue lights or white lights into your eyes it sends a signal to the brain that it's still daytime and then there's a hormone that re- regulates our sleep cycle and that hormone's uh, secretion is affected either it will be lessened or it will be more and that hormone is melatonin and when the melatonin is uh, melatonin's secretion is affected then in turn our sleep cycle gets w- uh, very much disrupted that's the reason most of the people in the cities or urban areas have insomnia or are unable to sleep at night if you and if you ask anyone from our generation especially most of them can't sleep before 1 or 2 and th- that is one of the biggest reasons like at night also we are exposed to so much of white light blue light not just from our uh, uh, digital appliances uh, or, or like these laptops or phones even from the outside we get those uh, the street lights inside our home which is known as light trespass and that in turn mm-hmm. affects our sleep cycle right uh, so because our brain is getting the information that uh it's still daylight because the light is just so bright uh what do like even even if people are you know i mean i think it has been said a lot of times on the internet that you should keep uh, your phone screens off or any artificial light off uh, about an hour before you sleep anything uh, anything that is going to affect your sleep cycle and stuff because it's going to just delay stuff and that's going to not be something desirable something bad for you so i just wanted to know if if dimming uh dimming uh, the lights around you not just on your phone screen but even like if you have iot in your homes and uh, you know you could just dim the lights around you make make them a bit more pleasant and then and a bit more you know pleasing to the eyes and so that they could get relaxed and they could get into the mode of relaxing uh for the f- for the sleep so does that help Yeah, of course. Like uh, when you are decreasing the intensity of light, uh, like see, uh, it's a fact that we can't live without light at night now. Like before, uh, uh, before LEDs or bulbs were there, like that that was the only option. Like only gas lamps were there, and that was too really dim. So that light didn't really account to anything. 
but yeah now that the, uh, now the civilization how the civilization has grown we can't live without lights so dimming is one of the best options to live in with lights at night without disrupting any natural rhythms also mm-hmm. okay so uh, the next question that i have uh, when like i ask you the last time we texted about the topics you'd like to discuss and you said uh, the importance of darkness in space uh, it's pretty evident and obvious that people know the importance of light right but uh, i think you've also uh, already answered this question but in, if if you are able to make it something a bit more like obvious to uh, in to a lame in a lame, in layman terms to uh, not very scientific or not mm-hmm. a very you know niched audience uh, what would you say uh, when i when i ask you uh, what is the importance of darkness all right so the importance of darkness if we take uh, the uh, science community out of the equation is the only way mm-hmm. um, any dark sky advocate approaches people actually because mm-hmm. see the the light pollution is a problem that concerns everyone it's affecting everyone but mm-hmm. the only people that know about it are either astronomy are coming from an astronomy background or a science background not even all people from the science background know about light pollution so uh, this is the best way that we take uh, into like talking about the importance of darkness now mm-hmm. see the importance of darkness as i mentioned earlier also that only either astronomers would know or poets would know because it's the artist that know the importance of darkness because see when you are an artist and when you are suffering from a if you can say writer's block and or right. are an artist block if you can say so you look for inspiration in everything and uh, if you look uh, look into the lives of most of the famous artists that have been and when they were suffering from any problems in their lives or if they were suffering from uh, some kind of a block in their artistic right. career then mm-hmm. it was sitting in the in the darkness then it was sitting under stars that inspired them to make something that has never been made to uh, like revolutions have been inspired under the darkness mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. see darkness uh, is the um, like we talk about getting peace in our lives we talk about getting calm in our lives but darkness is the only way to get that because all throughout the day you are uh, you are running uh, you are doing work you are struggling you are making your life worth it if we can say in the uh, in this fast pacing life you are making your life worth it throughout the day but you are a human you also need some time to rest to rejuvenate to calm yourself to relax and mm-hmm. darkness is responsible for that because we sleep in the dark we have to sleep in the dark we, uh, like light won't let us relax even if mm-hmm. we are sleeping in light or with the in the presence of light uh, our mind is somewhat awake by some reason or uh, like something relating to that itself for mm-hmm. example like if we take the example of uh, vincent van gogh okay right so vincent van gogh is one of the most uh, prominent artists that we prominent painters that we know and most of the people know about vincent van gogh right and it's his starry night now do you know that the starry night actually it's helped scientists explain the concept of turbulence 
which could not have been explained without its help for a long time because turbulence is something mm-hmm. that uh, aerospace engineers right now are also struggling with explaining it like what is turbulence how do you predict that turbulence but what was turbulence they weren't able to guess yeah. until cool. until a team of researchers went like uh, got inspired by the starry nights uh, wavy patterns that he has created that he observed mm-hmm. and created at the time of night and that le- led to the explanation of turbulence mm-hmm. so any uh, like like art even a common person as you said that even a common person if we they know the importance of darkness they will actually the thing is they know the importance of darkness in their lives because whenever someone needs to feel calm they sit go sit in the dark so they just need to realize that darkness is important right and uh, like if i if i ask you like uh, so a term like light pollution right so the worst thing that uh, happens is that people feel somewhat stereotypical right uh, one of the best uh, challenges that i feel with light pollution is its awareness because it is something that sounds super stereotypical and for example when people hear about light pollution it, and its solutions they think land water air and one of the trending topic trendy topics of space garbage or space debris maybe but when they hear about like light pollution they'll feel they feel weird or maybe find it strange how can light be a pollutant or be polluted itself and uh, if you if you if you if you are planning to maybe do something about uh, you know maybe having to shape this kind of opinion or stereotype in people's minds what uh, what would you do like what is your toll on it okay so uh, i i use a methodology for this and uh, see uh, we when we talk about light pollution i first of all don't talk about light pollution so all what are all the pollutions that we know air water yeah. land these are the three major pollutions mm-hmm. okay so now uh, see if uh, in their name you have the pollutant or the thing being polluted air water mm-hmm. and land they are the things being polluted they are the things being polluted pol- uh, uh, polluted and not the pollutant that is there but in light yeah. pollution the light is the pollutant mm-hmm. so how does that like uh, why so why is light pollution different than these it's because light pollution affects uh, the uh, the advancing growth of all these three t- types of pollution mm-hmm. how i'll tell you okay. now so yeah. the first is the uh, we say the light pollution uh, leads to air pollution how it does that mm-hmm. see if we are using a lot a lot more of light if we are in, if our energy consumption is more of course our consumption of fossil fuels increases and when mm-hmm. we uh, when we consume those fossil fossil fuels to uh, generate uh, electricity then what increases the smoke and what yeah, the yeah. smoke leads to air pollution pollution air pollution yeah then uh, if you talk about water so yeah. what uh, light pollution does is see, uh, now all the even at the coastal areas the uh, the lights being used by either you say to uh, like to all the touristy places or uh, hotels is increasing and mm-hmm. in turn all the coastal areas are also getting lit up at night so uh, there's a now uh, under the sea there's something called zooplankton 
and they are responsible for maintaining the oxygen uh, <coughs> oxygen 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 inside the water but okay. uh, but when the light get, light reaches the zooplankton their lifespan decreases and they're not and uh, either their life lifespan decreases or their efficiency to continue with their work decreases because they think it's day because they also work at night it's something somewhat like photosynthesis only mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. when uh, when they eventually die the oxygen uh, the oxygen content inside the water bodies start decreasing this causes a problem for right. all the aquatic animals and as well as uh, zoo planktons are also responsible for uh, like they are also known as the uh, cleaners of the water bodies because mm-hmm. they, uh, they consume most of uh, a lot of the decomposing substances and when they are not right. there when the sca- like you can call them scavengers when the scavengers are not there who will clean the water bodies that eventually leads to water pollution mm-hmm. and then if okay. uh, when we talk about land pollution now i mentioned photosynthesis see their uh, light pollution also causes an effect on plants how does it do that just as humans that i mentioned before like uh, we are uh, like as a hormone is secreted uh, in us if light enters us uh, at night same is with the plants mm-hmm. lot of chemicals get, uh, that are responsible for photosynthesis get secreted inside uh, in the in the plants itself because light is entering uh, entering their bodies at night and they think of it as it's still day they mm-hmm. they secrete those chemicals they secrete those uh, hormones if we can say uh, although chemicals is a more better term in plants language so mm-hmm. they secrete those chemicals at night but they think that sun is out but in actuality uv rays are not reaching them it's the blue light that's reaching them so without mm-hmm. uv rays those compounds cannot bro- break down and the chemical reaction is not completed so yeah so in the uh, morning when these those chemicals are actually needed there is a scarcity of them mm-hmm. so the plant in turn does not get its food and dies a lot earlier than it should have so when mm-hmm. and that eventually degrades the quality of the soil so there is your soil pollution mm-hmm. so light pollution is something that's affecting all of them and it's it's a pollutant rather than a something being polluted because i mean it makes sense technically right because light is light is something that you can't really touch or maybe you cannot just interact with naturally so polluting light what does it even mean how can you pollute light i mean not any individual without anything any equipment who has done something intentionally uh, can literally pollute light in a way i mean uh, polluting light doesn't really make sense when you say uh, uh, light is being polluted so it's i think it's pretty obvious that light can be a pollutant but it cannot be something that is polluted okay uh so like uh, i wanted to ask you uh what kind of projects uh, are you working on right now uh through your foundation to have an impact on pollution and space pollution also in general okay so uh, so first of all seva stars is an initiative that solely works on the awareness and outreach uh, of uh, outreach of light pollution and dark sky advocacy and uh, uh, one more thing that we uh, we tend to use the most ingenious and unconventional methods to convey this to the people like just as i mentioned like uh, we uh, 
like a lot of the the questions that you asked the answers were uh, in the form of either activities or in the form of some examples or uh, mm-hmm. in the form of some uh, like history lessons some some sort of so that more people can relate to it that are not from the science background because yeah. we need to widen our audience also mm-hmm. so the activity like uh, so the first thing that we uh, like how we started was uh, uh, by doing educational webinars and uh, educational seminars offline seminars at educational institutions like we started from my school only and then we moved on to other schools we approached many people and uh, we we used to do these awareness seminars awareness webinars and uh, then there's uh, we also do evening sir observations so that people can see what they are actually missing out on now uh, we are based out of delhi so in delhi we can't really see anything at uh, at night also like mm-hmm. there only be mm-hmm. 5 to 6 stars as a at a regular basis and on a clear night maximum 10 to 11 like it's countable Mm-hmm. but still if we have a telescope we can see the moon clearly we can at least see the planets so it's it's just an excuse to getting people out so that we can convey our message and the best mm-hmm. uh, and it's actually the best way to get, uh, to uh, connect with people and to talk to people about this problem because they realize what they're actually missing out on what they could have seen through that telescope itself how clear it would have been because mm-hmm. all our uh, evening sky or night sky observations uh, have always been paired with a uh, like a 15 to 20 minute uh, seminar or a uh, seminar or some documentary about light pollution wherein we mm-hmm. talk about it and then we show them show the people how it's affecting and in the end of that ob- uh, evening sky observation it's uh, solutions time like that, then mm-hmm. we take a 5 minute session on how actually we can uh, save uh, like how we can uh, like reduce light pollution and save the stars Right. then uh then uh when pandemic came we moved on to social media like because we mm-hmm. couldn't do a lot of events it was online events only and there's only so much webinars you can do on a problem that's so less known mm-hmm. so on social media also then we uh, continued with our uh, like approach of uh, ingenious and unconventional methods like if something is trending we will uh, like if a reel is trending we'll create a reel using that audio and we'll try to convey our message through that we'll, we used to make educational reels uh, or educational posts and something like that and uh, these type of unconventional unconventional methods uh, we have still been using uh, and this is the type of work we do but uh, then uh, after outreach also there's something like you should have support like you you're getting some support of the people but you need still in support of the government so mm-hmm. for that support of the government uh, we are actually uh, right now we are working like there's uh, uh, we are working with the government of maharashtra to mm-hmm. establish uh, a dark sky reserve certified by ida like that is the international dark sky association and mm-hmm. uh, i'd like to correct myself it's now known by dark sky uh, that's they have changed their name but mm-hmm. uh, they, that's certified by uh, dark sky for uh, and these dark sky certified parks uh, are open to the public so that people can come and uh, visit class 1 or class 2 skies and see wo- see the marvels of the sky, uh, stars so yeah there's uh, there was a person who was already working on it uh, from uh, from nagpur and the park that we are working on uh, i am not sure if i can reveal the location right now 
but uh, it's in Maharashtra only and it's uh, a wildlife reserve and an area of that is going to be allotted to us for that dark sky park. And a person based out of Nagpur was already working on that and we connected with him and we went there and now we are working with him to establish that park. And I think by the end of this year, we'll get the certification. Hopefully we have been working on that from the past two years. Now we uh, like uh, all we have done all the formalities. It's just it's in the processing stage by the dark sky organization. now. <laughs> okay. And uh, for for example, as you said that you want to bring that it's like a it's like a program to bring a lot of people more towards nature and get themselves out of the virtual world and get themselves out of bed their rooms their the TVs and stuff and then get out in nature especially at night and uh, have a glance at the marvelous sky and what it holds for us so uh, for example this is this is something that is possible i think only in a few areas right <clears throat> and uh, and even no matter what because in because in fact uh, even uh, when i go to my rooftop and i try to have a look at a few stars i don't see uh, anything much more than venus if the moon is there then yeah i mean it's pretty prominent and obvious uh, then maybe I, i would see jupiter or uranus whatever the planet uh, uh, sits beside the moon and then maybe a few stars three or four stars forming uh, a constellation that i basically can't recognize because uh, i'm not really great at that part of the job but yeah uh, so is your is is this thing something that is uh, more practical if i would say in uh, village areas i think it i think it i mean it is it is obviously going to be the answer that village areas are not going to have that much of a problem having a look at night and uh, taking a glance at the stars but uh, if i talk to or talk talk to you about uh, making this thing because it is something natural that we can't control right that if we are not able to see light in the sky in urban areas so uh, wouldn't wouldn't people make excuse of it or maybe uh, say that how is it going to be possible the sky uh, the sky is not dark enough there's a lot of artificial light around it and uh, like are you, are, are you just uh, into awareness or is it something uh, that you're also doing on side by, by giving something to people maybe providing some services whatever what 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 i mean are you doing something with that okay so uh, first of all we are a non profit initiative so we don't really offer any services like that we work in the into the awareness part but i can still mm-hmm. uh, uh, sh- uh, shed some light on to uh, this uh, urban uh, like urban night sky viewing that you mentioned so see the first thing is that uh, stars uh, like seeing the stars at night is not that difficult even for the urban areas you just have to mm. it's just a matter of switching off and switching on a switch but we can't do that to the whole city because a lot of security concerns all right yeah yeah but the thing is that after uh, but the thing is that the street lights that we use right now the the led street lights its intensity can be controlled the best part about this is that and even if you reduce that intensity it uh, it doesn't really uh, have any effect on the ground but it makes a lot of effect in in the sky now i give you an example for this uh, uh, like that the guy i mentioned that has been working out of nagpur he has collaborated with the nagpur uh, municipal authority or whatever uh, like the authority they have 
to dim the mm-hmm. intensity of those light from after 10 pm from 80% to from uh, 90% to first it was a, like 80% i guess after that it was 60% and mm-hmm. as they reduced mm-hmm. the intensity like i i i was there in nagpur and i act, and i saw that from my own eyes like uh, when uh, it was 8 pm the lights were at uh, 90% or something and the uh, the only stars we could see were like countable on fingers but after right. uh, after 10 or 10:30 i guess the uh, the lights intensity got reduced and mm-hmm. this number of stars went tenfold uh-huh. like before right. that if it was 10 it went 100 like we uh, we were sitting there at, at the roof throughout the night that day we were talking and making plans and all that and we mm-hmm. could see that effect coming uh, about and uh, by the time of 1 or 130 the number of stars was so much that we couldn't even believe that at 8 pm it was something like this mm-hmm. so it's just about yeah. controlling the intensity uh, of of the light or and like she, there's a lot of solutions for that like you control the intensity or you shield the uh, street light so that light doesn't go up into the skies so mm-hmm. the, uh, the urban night skies can be in- increased by this and the second that you said that you also mentioned one thing that uh, it's not a problem in rural rural areas yeah in rural areas it is still a problem that's the thing like see the uh, right now because of government's lot of schemes and the good schemes uh, like uh, street lights have reached rural areas also a lot of street yeah. lights and but just the fa- just there's one problem in this that none of those street lights are shielded none of those lights are shielded So 70% yeah. of those lights are going up into the skies and are mm. being wasted and just contributing mm. to light pollution and mm. even the rural areas are not that far from the cities so what if, even if there's a not a big city at least a small city would be near to that and that city would have lights and there's a type of light pollution called sky glow that and that sky glow can affect up to 50 to 60 kilometers of of radius of the, uh, near that city So if the mm-hmm. village already has his, uh, its own uh, those unshielded lights and it also has the sky glow, they are also getting a very less uh, amount of uh, like stars into their night skies. Mm-hmm. But still, uh, if with the right uh, like with the right ordinances, uh, right ordinances and support from the government, this can be undone and it will be even beneficial for the government itself. because the thing mm-hmm. is that when we reduce the intensity or when we shield the uh, light we don't like uh, we don't really new, need that much of energy consumption for example before shielding if it was a uh, energy consumption was a 1000 watts uh, like alpha if we needed a 200 watt bulb for example after the shielding and the intens- reducing the intensity it will be a 100 watt so you are in turn you are saving mm-hmm. 100 watts per street light So think about a whole strip of street lights. How much would you be saving in a year? Right. So financially also, it's uh, uh, like uh, if we uh, curb light pollution, it's a really great thing financially as well as uh, in an uh, if we take it in uh, environmental factor also. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but like uh, why I mentioned. village was that because not not around like houses because the villages have a lot of open space right <clears throat> they do not necessarily necessarily have lights in every part of uh, the village for example i would i think the amount of uh, lights that they have uh, available for them 
in the farm fields itself is definitely comparatively less so the light around them maybe maybe uh, would be some something that is dimmer in comparison to maybe when they are around houses yeah as you said i get that part that maybe if they are if they are closer to some city uh, that is a bit more plush has a lot of population lot of lights then uh, it might affect but i uh, but i i think it's i mean i'm just using my intuition that uh, the amount of light that uh, is going to be uh, spread in, in the sky uh, in a village or when someone is uh, looking at the sky through uh, through a village uh, i think it's going to be comparatively less uh, by many folds not just i think i mean by a few percentages or something mm-hmm. See, okay yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh, okay yeah, yeah. I, i'd I'd like to add one thing in this the, see the yeah, yeah. light consumption is less in the village i I'll just, i was just mentioning this like uh, as a factor that econom like economical uh, uh, advantage is also a factor of curbing light pollution but mm-hmm. one thing i forgot to mention in this like uh, you your question also included that uh, like people might make excuse that they don't have access to uh these uh, like night skies uh, where uh, more stars are visible or more darkness is there mm-hmm. so uh, for that for that only the the international dark sky association has established these dark sky parks all around the world where people can go and india mm-hmm. itself like india has so many places with such great night sky uh, night skies and if that is maintained properly with the help of any pro- mm-hmm. private organization or the government or uh, anyone uh, like uh, seeing over that we can have mm-hmm. a lot more uh, dark sky reserves or dark sky parks in india and these are the right. things that make it accessible for the uh, common people to actually go and visit these marvelous night skies mm-hmm. and uh, one more thing uh, in this uh, that this uh, like when i mentioned the private organizations or government uh, taking over these areas and they are maintaining it properly this contributes into astrotourism this is this term is called mm-hmm. astrotourism we are using right, this right. Uh, we are using the uh, night skies to actually generate employment and mm-hmm. reach out to some people who actually want to be a part of those nights and to want to see the nights the way it should be right Uh, I'm glad that you mentioned that part because <laughs> we are almost towards the end of a show and uh, my last question is uh, similar to what you just said um, I just wanted to ask what are the national and international policies that have been implemented uh, or, or discussed over regarding uh, light pollution Okay so uh, see the thing is that uh, at a national at an international level there are no policies Mhm like at an international scale like see there is no organization that can monitor all the countries countries laws yeah okay. yeah sure so, uh, sure there is a, a un that um, make some guidelines for all the countries like they should follow them all the un countries at least should follow those guidelines but uh, the thing is the topic of light pollution has not passed unusa yet that is your united nations outer space affairs that all the space affairs come under this only and the problem mm-hmm. of light pollution falls under unusa itself but right, very right. soon uh, unusa would uh, would be uh, releasing some guidelines at least or it will be acknowledging this problem at least like it's already in motion uh, like from the past 5 to 6 years itself like they have been working mm-hmm. on it but it's difficult because all the countries are different like there's developed countries there are developing countries there are 
like the countries which have just started the developing phase or there are countries which are almost at the end of the developing phase so creating some general guidelines is difficult but uh, if we look at uh, uh, like from a country <clears throat> to country many countries have adapted to many uh, many of these lighting ordinances or many of these uh, reforms that these things should not cause any problems like the mm-hmm. problem of like curbing light pollution and uh, most of them are developed countries that have these reforms yeah but one thing and, that i'd like to yeah, mention yeah. in this that uh, mm-hmm. all these developed countries have uh, taken out these reforms just in the past 10 20 or maximum 25 years but they have been developed since a long time mm-hmm. so now they are uh, slowly and gradually they have to change everything or every light accordingly but that's mm-hmm. an advantage that we have we as developing countries have we are in midst of okay. developing we are changing everything mm-hmm. right now we are upgrading ourselves with day and if we upgrade mm-hmm. ourselves taking this problem also in mind so we won't mm-hmm. have to waste our resources after we have achieved the title of developed countries right uh, so as you said that india has great national national reserves and, sit- and situ- situations and locations uh where we could have a look at the night sky uh i mean government has started working on uh, tourism uh like uh, very recently uh, through the g20 summit that they did mm-hmm. uh through uh, and uh, through various places uh so uh, is the government currently in india taking this into consideration uh if it is possible to have uh you know dark dark sky parks or night sky parks and uh, stuff like that yeah of course like uh, astro tourism is something that the government of india is considering a lot right now and uh, the thing is that uh, be- that's because many private players have emerged for astro tourism now yeah uh, like they like they they are still on to the growing phase there's no such like very big player in, in the field of astro tourism in india right now but it's still it's a feel that the government has realized that uh, it should be taken care of like as i mentioned the government of maharashtra is doing that dark sky reserve thing and it has put a lot of resources into that and why does why does it have done that so that uh, so that a lot of more resorts can be opened in the near that area and that in turn increases employment and in turn increases the net revenue of the whole dark of the whole wildlife reserve itself same goes uh, like uh, there's also an initiative taken by the ladakh government uh, mm-hmm. like, as you as you know that there's an uh, there's a observatory india's Obser- indian astronomical observatory that is in uh, handle le ladakh so no, i don't know about it uh, okay so india's biggest uh, astronomical observatory is there in handle it's not accessible to the people it's just for the uh, research purposes but uh, but the sky is that place has the night sky or the that play ha- that place has because it's such isolated on such height that's one once in a lifetime experience like uh, it's really nice and uh, the ladakh government is really promoting uh, astro tourism over there by opening resorts and opening access to that areas and uh, it's also working to get the dark sky certificate for its own area same is with the himachal government himachal government is also working uh, like uh, on a place to get the dark sky reserve there's a person in himachal that's working on that and uh, there's also uh, some people working in kerala you know 
and like people are working but it's a very like we can say uh, rookie are, and the startup kind of phase yeah key startup kind of phase but uh, on a national level yeah yeah i see because you said in many geographies in assam i mean not technically assam uh, you said in the east and uh, then ladakh you mentioned mm-hmm. yeah and uh, i was i don't know but uh, it came to my mind maybe the south has something is there something there over too yeah so- south has a lot of uh, south has a lot of like a uh, lot of dark skies of to offer we just need the, like i told, i just i mentioned also like there are some people mm-hmm. working in kerala uh, to establish yeah, a dark skies of yeah yeah and uh, yeah. even in um, i guess in tamil nadu and uh, karnataka uh, yeah especially in karnataka i personally know some places that can have those like i have visited them before uh, and that those places can have their own dark sky reserves and these, these are the things that local people usually know of like these are the places they go uh, uh, when they want to rejuvenate at night or they want a small picnic or something mm-hmm. and uh, as you mentioned like the places uh, for example because uh, east then the north in and ladakh and then kerala in the south uh, these are like very different places right uh, one has an altitude really high then uh, the other one has a bit lower in uh, east and then kerala is uh, almost uh, near the sea like like uh, mm. it has even lower uh land uh, can say height than the plains and the plateaus in the in the in the middle and uh, a bit towards north and then i wanted to know uh this question just came into my mind like how do you really recognize if a place is going to be a great uh, great venue or great location for stargazing like what is the geographical condition what are the needs and requirements for it see the geographical condition uh i don't think there's a, a lot of restrictions on the geographical condition like there will be there'll always be different geographical conditions for stargazing if you are going on to the mountains you can stargaze there if you are going to the beach beach is a really great to stargaze then if you are going to some uh, forest area that is uh, that, that we are working with the maharashtra government it's a forest area it's a mm-hmm. it's a plain land there also we are doing like uh, stargazing in class 1 or class 2 skies so the geographical con- uh, lo- like geographical location doesn't matter it's just how far it is from light pollution and how much light pollution around it we can curb like for the park mm-hmm. that we are working at, at maharashtra around 30 km uh, every street light around the 30 km radius has been changed into dark sky friendly lightings mm-hmm. so it's uh, thing like that yeah yeah okay i see Okay uh, I think we've come to an end of our episode uh, I don't know how much have we recorded what has been the, the total recording time but anyways uh, it was great talking to you uh, it was a great conversation it was something really new for me I haven't uh, talked about stargazing and starlight uh, to anyone in fact light pollution also in general hey everyone so thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast I hope you enjoyed it the 13th episode i guess uh, of the wimper podcast and uh, so stay tuned and uh, i'll be coming up with some new episodes in the upcoming weeks